We are the E to the page, Japan land the punch. Out of mind, I feel boom pow, we got the stuff. We know they got story, been new, they got hard, complex narratives and black carries. Tell me where they see us. Where I see us, where, where I see us, they wanna be us. But tell me where they read us, now they wanna be us. At the damn cage, like a nigga from Georgia, insane and after brain and lacking in origin. At flashbacks and shots to the system, downloading new issues and sitting for a listen. Where I see us, where I see us, they wanna be us. But tell me what they read us, now they wanna be us. Where I see us, 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 where and I am Marcellus. And we're back from hiatus. Yeah. We took a break. We took a break because we needed it. We needed it. We're both teachers. Um, Marcellus is graduating. And so <laughs> we need to do that. We <laughs> no, it's necessary. I f- it feels good, though. I, f- I feel rejuvenated. Um, Genuinely, uh, I was tired with a capital T before, and now I'm lowercase t tired. Okay. I think I'm creeping up to capital T tired. Ooh. But I only have one more week of instruction left, or three class periods of instruction left before finals. Mm. And then I love finals because it's 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 off. It's I literally just grade stuff, and then Mm -hmm. that's you know what's done is done. You either did it or you didn't. That's just just what it is. Did it or you didn't. You either know it or you don't. That's just you know. It is what it is, as the young people say. Marcellus, while we were on hiatus, did you watch anything cool? Are you watching anything cool or reading anything cool? I did watch many cool things. Um, I've started watching Moon Knight. I am mm. interested to see where that goes. I just love Oscar Isaac, and I have read Mo- I've read Moon Knight before in the past, and one of their one of their particular runs they had done uh, feels like the show, and I, I do I do enjoy. I'm I'm a, I'm a Marvel person. I, I enjoy any of that content. Um, I've seen. I have a new entry into my top. Five favorite movies, though. Now, um, one that feels like it's in, it's firmly planted itself in number three. Oh, um, what is it? Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh, is that the movie with Michelle Yeoh? Yes, it is. I haven't is. watched that. Is it in theaters or is it streaming? It's in, it's in theaters. It's in theaters. I'm not sure when it's going to come to streaming, but I'm seeing it again tonight. Uh, oh, is it second or third time? Says so the second time. It'll be the second time. Um, I I think it's really funny when sometimes people are like, it's a modern day masterpiece, as if the only uh, masterpieces are like from people who have passed away, or the you know, it's like at least a decade old. Oh, don't get don't we. <laughs> I say that to me, they might be, but you should allow contemporary artists and filmmakers into that like conversation. Mm-hmm. Cause there's plenty of films that are like fantastic and are 
definitely should be, you know, taught and, and analyzed with the same amount of respect. Uh, this movie is so wonderful. I, it's the first time in a long time that I watched something and I was like, I had no complaints. This was, I was, I was 10 out of 10. I had a good time the whole time. Yeah, I know. I was, because I'd be complaining. <laughs> you did. I'd be you complaining. Still, I'll be like, this was so great. And you're like, I got problems with it. I got problems. I always got problems. Even when I enjoy something, I'm like, it was cool, except. <laughs> No, I had a whole, I had a great time the whole time. Because uh, it looks interesting, because it's it's about multiple dimensions, right? And her tapping oh, into is. multiple versions of herself in these different dimensions. It is. It's it's very for a movie that is because it's not necessarily like an indie film, um, in the true sense of like the budget is kind of high for for an indie mm-hmm. film, but but it's out it's outside of what I would say is like the normal studio systems for um, for like a multi-universal sort of uh, story. Like it's the, one of the executive producers, I think maybe both of them or part of that, that team are the Russo brothers, the people who do, uh, who did the Avengers movie and uh, one of those Captain America oh. movies. Like they're known in that space, but okay. the directors okay. for this, they, they did Swiss Army Man. I didn't see Swiss Army Man, but I remember people saying it was really good. That movie was very weird and fun. Like, this is their second movie. Okay. And I I don't know how they pulled this cast or any of what they did off, but it's such a it's just such a sweet movie. Somebody believes in them. And it's like, here you go, here's the budget. Here you go. I believe in you. It's pretty good. It's pretty did good. you um have you started watching Atlanta? No, I I want to, but there's, and I'm sure we'll probably do something on it, but part of me just loves being able to binge Atlanta rather than... Watch one episode a week, yeah. I think I'm waiting too, yeah. I at least need a good chunk of it. Like, I would rather watch it and then be waiting for a finale episode. Mm. Just so I could share in the suspense, but... Okay. I also saw Moon Knight. Um, I know nothing about him other than Oscar Isaac is playing him. I never read the comic. Didn't even know he existed. Um, I will say I am delighted by um, this phase. What is what phase? Are we in phase four or phase five? Phase four. I think we're, I'm pretty sure we're in phase four. That magic is taking a more of a center stage in phase four. Um, you got oh also I will say since we have been on break, I have I probably watched the Eternals once a once a week. Oh my god. I really like that movie. It's a good movie to go to sleep to. Y'all should see those of you who can't see his face. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love it. No, you, was- you don't gotta apologize. You don't gotta apologize. <laughs> You should you should you should enjoy what you enjoy. Jane. I do, but it's just so fun to to enjoy things that people are like. Yeah, that wasn't. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't it. Um, it is. It drags, but it drags well enough for me to go to sleep. And I don't mean that as a disrespectful thing. I mean it as this movie is comforting. Um, 
in in a way to for me for me. Um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait. So I watch that at least once a week or every two weeks or so. Um, I've been watching Moon Knight. I don't know if I'll stay up late tonight and watch the episode uh, episode three premiere. Oh, that's right. Um, um, cause does it come out at two in the morning or does it come out like at midnight? I think it could, it could be midnight. Cause if it's midnight, then maybe I'll watch it. But if it's two, I'm going to be I don't watching think my eyelids. I don't think it's two. It might, it might be midnight. Okay. I might watch it. I feel like I need to watch the first two episodes again. Cause the second episode, I was kind of like, I was, I don't know. I find, um, Stephen Grant's annoying. I, I will say I, I agree, but there's this whole because the they made a very like key change, mm-hmm. and it was it was in him because mm-hmm. he's supposed to. I mean, people always, I, and it's not entirely accurate. People will say uh, Moon Knight was Marvel's response to Batman. Um, I could see that, but it's really different. Because Stephen Grant was a very he was a he's supposed to be in the comics like this. Uh, million dollar playboy like philanthropist yeah they they change it because they were like we've we've done that with iron man batman exists we need to yeah. ha- make a change so that he feels a little more unique mm-hmm. which i get um him being a museum first of all i would like to tell y'all right now i don't know what's going on in the uk where if you work in a museum gift shop you can afford an apartment because i'm gonna tell you right now i don't think anybody that works in a museum gift shop can really afford in a like a place like his, even though he got a bunch of junk everywhere. I don't think he could he could afford that place. I mean, he's oh, a shop of salary. Like I just I don't think that at no all because they're like some of the most underpaid people at the museum. I think they're maybe right above the, the security guards and the custodians. So I will. I mean, but you know, Marvel's not. We we suspended this. We, we suspended belief. Suspended belief for the sake of the show. show. In regards to him being close to Batman, it, you know, the cape, the moon, night, the dark nights. Yeah, I, I get it. It also reminds me of the episode of Batman the Animated Series when Batman was like real life. He had a real bad for Talia um, Rajal Ghul. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rajal Ghul was her dad, right? Yeah. And like he had a real bad for Talia, and they was in Egypt in a, in like a pyramid or something doing something. I don't remember. It was part of the animated series. It was one of those episodes. So it's like I could see the connections, right? Because now they're in Egypt in Moon Knight. Because he's like, you gotta take your butt back. We gotta find this thing before the the other guy finds it. Um, I would recommend it. I do say it's a good show. I think it's, it's just I gotta watch it a couple more times. To... I'm curious to see what it'll be like though, because it's not. I, I saw an interview with Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke, mm-hmm. and they were like, we were drawn to this project because it's also, you could think about it independently of the the MCU. It's doing its own thing, but it's still now. And yeah. I, it makes yeah. me think a little bit of the Marvel Netflix series. Like, mm. it, it is in that universe. They're probably not going to rely on like, did you see Thor's hammer? On the like, they're not gonna <laughs> yeah. do that per se, but it does. I don't know. I feel like it's a cop out to say it's like it's different. It's. I mean, it's, it's not that different. They it's didn't not do. That 
I feel like I, I, one of the things I hope they explain a little bit better, and of course I'm sure they do this in the comics, but is how Stephen Grant and what's other little baby's name that lives in him? Um, oh, um, Mark Spector. Mark Spector. And how, like, who came first? Was it Mark or was it Stephen? And, like, Mark made the deal with... Um, Kantu. thank you. Because I was like, who? With, <laughs> with Kantu. Um, and then where does Stephen come into play with this, right? Because where was Stephen this whole time? Maybe Stephen is the other and Mark is the for real. Like, who... And Mar- so. and then Stephen keep calling his mama and she don't answer the phone. Your mama dead. I don't. I feel like she she dead, right? She can't be alive because she ain't answer the phone. And he there, seems like a mama's boy. Like she would call him. Oh every yeah. Day. Oh yeah. <laughs> I am resisting the urge to 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 regurgitate all of my. Moon Knight related information in my brain. Okay, okay, we'll save it for we'll do we'll do an episode. We're surprisingly this this episode is not about Moon Knight, you all. <laughs> <laughs> we got so far off. Allegedly, I mean, we were uh, talking. We're catching up because it's been a while. True. They lo- they like it. They love it. They'll be all right. Um, so. I also I started reading Parable of the Talents. Oh, gotta say heartbroken it i'm like almost done with it good lord good good she know how to write she know how to write and it's just like this could happen like this could literally happen like reading so parable of the talents for those who don't know is written by octavia butler who is master sci-fi writing and she of course if it considers and her sci-fi writing is looking at race and class, so like all of all of the you know intersectionality plays a part in how she's writing her characters and what happens to them. Um, and so, yeah, there's like this whole like group of people running around, burning witches in 2032, and it's like we get there. I I know. I know. And stuff keeps happening on my birthday in this book because it's, it's a series of diary entries. And like, she keeps going to September 26th. And I was like, I need you to stop. <laughs> I need you. Such foolishness will not happen in Libra season. I just, I need, <laughs> I need it to not. <laughs> but I mean, that's, I mean, I've, other than Moon Knight, Abbott Elementary, Ooh. and Parable of the Talents. I, that's really, I mean, those are the things that I'm mostly consuming. Yes. You know what I want to watch? What? This is the last thing I'll say uh, on it. I really want to watch Our Flag Means Death, that Taika Waititi series that's like pirates. Um, <gasps> oh, yeah. It looks really goofy. It looks so goofy. And I feel like, because I, I have my comfort shows in times of crisis and times of like high stress has become criminal minds and uh-uh. I, and it has been it's been there for me and i'm gonna okay. stick beside it but okay. Okay. <laughs> but i need to not like wake up from a nap too and she, and her head was decapitated right she, yeah because <laughs> i feel like it's 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 gotta be doing something to my body um it's too much maybe so try ghost to... ghost whisperer that's fair that's fair 
with uh uh what's Jennifer Love Hewitt. Hewitt. I watch that every Sunday. It's <laughs> does I like love it every time. It's good. It's good. It's good TV. Criminal Minds. Is Shamar Moore in Criminal Minds? Yeah, he okay. is. Okay. So that's the only person I know on that show is Shamar. <laughs> I just love, I just love, there's something so goofy about, like, people, they're, like, on their way to stop, like, a child, like, a child predator, and then in the B-plot, someone's like, I think I might have a baby, and it's, <laughs> I don't know what it is about that, it's, like, my version of uh, how silly, um, and I don't like this show, uh, y'all can come at me, but um, Grey's Anatomy, Oh, I don't they, like it either. Yes. They be having like the hospitals got a bomb. This the third bomb this season. What are we... <laughs> <laughs> I love that Criminal Minds does that. Like they be doing things mid case that don't make sense. And I, I'm here for it. I'm here for Shamar Moore having an outburst over like I don't know a personal problem he could have solved outside of work. <laughs> but he took it with him to work. He took it with him. He took it with him from DC. All the way to California while there's a serial killer on the loose. Like we you can't wait ten hours no. to have this conversation. No, <laughs> no, it's on it's on his mind now. We gonna talk about it now. Uh, goodness. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. Well we should probably get into we the topic for today. And so I had proposed the idea that we talk about, and it happens a lot, I think, you can see it in other meetings, but within like TV and film, mm-hmm. right, the idea that there are these sort of pillars of strength you find in characters and protagonists, or even like in supporting cast, but primarily in, in these protagonist characters, uh, the idea that there are these black characters, that they are either like, this well of just endless resiliency and they mm-hmm. have to kind of struggle on screen or they are ultimately these like sort of all-knowing beings. Um, and we, we had started talking about this just before we recorded and you, you brought up the, the idea of it almost starts to, we're hitting on this Venn diagram or maybe this mm-hmm. large Venn diagram that mm-hmm. it goes into like, uh, like the magical Negro and all these other sort of uh, zones. And that's really what I... I'm, I'm interested in because there's this because we've talked about it I think at times when we look at things like the Matrix um, and I don't know we, we've we've sort of not not danced around it but I, I'm interested in focusing on that sort of immovable object kind of character or that unstoppable force because mm-hmm. I feel like it does a lot for it does a lot for how people positively look at black people but it's unrealistic to have that level of power like they're they're like kids that'll be like oh man morpheus is so cool and all the while the magical negro like serves somebody serves another purpose for other people yeah yeah and and the black protag like the what's the black version of rocky creed uh yeah creed and and i i can't when i look at creed sometimes the way like even if you look at i feel like a lot of people were made inside rocky like oh he's such a like he's such a cool guy his family life was horrible but then people be talking (laughs) 
they be talking about that in Creed. They're like, oh, yeah, it's not really working. They, he's like sort of this simple-minded person and this kind of like aggressive. I don't know. Like there's Rocky, always strength. Rocky, I think, is they. I mean, mind you, Sylvester Stallone is not black, but with Rocky, <laughs> he's kind of seen as like this gentle, like gentle giant, because that's also a trope, right? And I'm yeah. thinking about like the Green Mile uh, uh, yeah. and Michael Clark Duncan's portrayal of the of the protagonist, who you know is seen as this kind of like. I gosh, just the fact that I even have to describe his character in this way, I hate, I hate it. Like, kind of like dim-witted, yeah. Um, and or but dim-witted in a sense of like book learning, yeah. Because there is a lot of wisdom in the character in regards to like life experience and and human observation. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of how he's had to witness so many different horrible things, and particularly like. I don't. I can't remember if he, he can read people's minds. He yeah. He's he can read minds, um, feel emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, he heal people. Like it's a lot of stuff that he's able to do. <laughs> yeah, and you know, like the whole like uh, feeling other people's emotions thing. I think is is interesting because that that also comes up in par- the parable series by Octavia Butler. The protagonist is a sharer. Is what mm. how um, Butler describes it. And it's basically all these people whose like mothers, when they were pregnant with them, were on some type of medication that the FDA approved. But then apparently, there were these side effects which made the children hyper empathetic mm. to their like if they see someone being hit, they feel they it feels like it's been done to them. Like they feel everything. Um, the only way they can not do it is just by like looking away. Um, and so like, what does that do to a person over time? But yeah, I think, um, you know, these kind of characters, cause also, you know, the big, strong, like black men, powerful men, I always go back to John Henry. Like, that's just like always yeah. my, my, <laughs> my go-to because that is like the beginnings of this, right? Like this kind of, um, strong young black man who, um, is a part of American folklore but he was also a freedman. And so I, I think there's always ways to kind of, I hate tying stuff back to slavery, but there is. Cause that's, you know, on a personal note, on a side personal note, I've had, mm-hmm. had so many conversations with people about my own work and them wanting to immediately make slavery the main topic of discussion. And it's like, we're so much more than, <laughs> than that. Um, you know, the fact that people always want to make black people talk about slavery and don't want to make white people do it. Like, if you're a white Southern artist and you're not talking about slavery in your work, what are you doing? Like, I feel like that that should, <laughs> like people should be asking you questions about that, not me, not me at all. Um, but that's a personal note. Um, <laughs> that's why we have this podcast in case we got beef with people, we can do subs. Um, <laughs> um, but I do think that, you know, that kind of, I don't know. Like, I don't, I get what you're saying. Like kids watch it and they just see like the cool magical things that they're doing without realizing that, you know, this person, um, like you said, is in service to another character and this relationship is detrimental to the whole, because then it sets them up to maybe be in their lives, like always carrying the burdens of everything. And like, feeling like I can do it. Like I'm just being a pack mule basically. 
Because there, there are very, I think, specific examples of characters that... It, and it's hard because you can have a really strong character, but it's like their strength is in useless if it's in service of another. But when you have these sort of like diverse casts, mm-hmm. it becomes a little more meaningful, even if it's almost... It could be the same character, different environment, because it changes the, di- the dynamics, I think, of, of what that story is supposed to do. Like I think of... a. Um, granted this is animated but I think of Teen Titans mm-hmm. uh, and the sort of strong not at first he's kind of stoic uh, cyborg mm-hmm. um, and I remember me and my dad watching that growing up I loved how strong he, I, he made me think of my dad mm-hmm. um, and just, just finding that there was this mixture of he could be strong. He could be serious. He had sort of like, you know, he didn't always trust all of that that crew. Mm-hmm. But he was also very goofy. He, You got to see him have like fun and have joy be a part of his life just as much as the other characters. But there was an acknowledgement of who he was as a person and not just his strengths. That's true. I think that, and you know, there's been so many portrayals of, of Cyborg. Like, there's Cyborg and Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. Teen Titans go, I don't know what the hell they was doing over there. It got real silly over there for a moment. I remember turning that on and be like, oh, no, what is this? what are y'all doing? It's for the babies. Uh, it's for, yeah, it's for the babies. Um, I guess to transition them into watching Titans on HBO Max, maybe. I don't know. Um, but even his, wait, is he on Titans? He is not Doom? on He's, He's on, on Doom, Doom Patrol. Patrol. But I'm thinking also about Justice League. That's why I was like, HBO That's Max. true. He's in Justice League, barely. The first cut. The Snyder cut, he's in more. Um, which, if you have the time to sit and watch that four-hour cut, God bless you. It, I will say, it was better. I did enjoy it more. It, it was, but it should have been two movies. I mean, yeah. Like, four hours? There's a whole lot. And even... Sorry, no, you keep going. I just no, have, no, no, I have you're a, fine. <laughs> I just I have was, a comment about the, the the real world actor got mistreated. Yes, I forgot his name. His name is Ray. Uh, what's his name? Real name Ray? Because that's the only thing I've seen him in. Because I'm not familiar with with him as an actor. Because you uh, know, we're never gonna. I don't think we'll ever get a cyborg movie because they never like in, not gonna do in, that, no. in like uh, live action. They don't give him a lot to do. Doom Patrol, I think, is kind of interesting. And I think in the way that we're talking about, like, Black characters, I think that version of him also kind of fits in this discussion because, you know, first of all, the Pascal was the last season of Doom Patrol. I don't know what the hell they was doing. I watched it, but I, I'm just like, we back and forth in time and y'all in a space, y'all in a drill space machine and yeah. y'all this weird uh, group of uh, people with powers that love Dada of all things. Yeah. Dada, really? Okay, whatever. Um, Dada, for those of you who are maybe not artistically inclined or never took art history class, is a art movement that happened, I believe, after World War One. Um, so it's like that interwar period, right? Uh, World War. Wait, <laughs> what? Oh no, I was doing W's. That's my bad. <laughs> I was like, wait, World War Three? We're in that shit now. Um, 
but it's through like that interwar period where you know it was just very nonsensical stuff so like marcel duchamp's uh fountain which is just a urinal um i forgot the one man who like dressed up in a cardboard suit and read a poem of words that didn't make sense um you know just like just nonsensical things right which makes sense after a war you just want to be silly yeah. i feel like to get your sense of just up to make people happy i guess again in, in some ways um but cyborg and, and doom patrol i feel you know his whole dynamics with his father i think are interesting like he, he feels a little bit more fleshed out oh, yeah. um versus you know in the justice league movie and Titans, Teen t- t- Titans, the OG Teen Titans, I think he was also kind of pretty, like, fleshed out. Like, he didn't, oh, yeah. he didn't really mess with them like that. He's like, okay, y'all interested in doing good, but, like, I don't really mess with you like that. But in Doom Patrol, he comes in and immediately feels like he should be the leader because yep. he has all the tech. Um, he's hooked up to the internet. Like, he's literally walking around as the internet in some ways and, like, spying on people and stuff. And they're just like, the fact that all these people were not on board board with it kind of was like a blow to his ego. Oh, he's yeah. just like, wait a minute, y'all don't think I'm the best? Because he was just like a celebrity too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was like he he had been doing he had been doing hero work for a little while already, and was like, I'm regionally known. So hero work, <laughs> hero work, right? I'm like, I'm a civil servant, <laughs> basically. You know, and then, you know, come to find out that, I don't know, I think he finds out stuff about his mom and, like, how she died. And, like, also the fact that his father chose to make him a cyborg when he had the technology to use, like, synthetic skin to actually, you know, try to recreate his his body for a sense of normalcy. Um, But then turns him into a cyborg instead because, cool. Uh, (laughs) I mean aesthetic you know <laughs> let me test this stuff out and get a military contract that's what that's looking what like I, a looking like a uh a, a clear ps2 controller hush yes oh my gosh <laughs> the clear controller i had a purple translucent one for my nintendo 64 that's where it's at i don't even know where that game system is anymore it was in centerville and i think somebody might have taken it <gasps> Because, or it's in the house somewhere, like buried in junk. I don't know, because it was with the TV. And now it's gone. Mm. If any of my family listen to this and y'all be in that house, look, we're, never mind, they're not going to look. They're not going to look. <laughs> I'll have to look next time I go. Um, but I think, you know, like his, his character, particularly the one on Doom Patrol, fits within this conversation, but also like the blows to his ego, I think kind of also kind of put him somewhere outside of it, of the circle of, of characters in which fit mm. in the prescription that we, that we've given for the, the topic of this episode. Um, I'm trying to think of if someone else, cause you mentioned like, you mentioned blade. Um, this is prior to recording. He mentioned blade. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, who else did you mention before blade though? Um, shoot. I mean, there are others I can think of, like the cinematic version of, um, of, uh, of 
Nick Fury. Mm, um, mm-hmm. You have char- like honestly, a lot of times they almost attach type of characters to particular actors. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. you can think of people like we've talked about Richard Roundtree before in one of the later right. episodes, but him, Sidney Poitier, both have that consistent. Like, you can have a conversation about what their characters mean in relation to like the world and like cinema history. But there are characters that they've gotten to play that are not one note, but their strength becomes a different conversation in relationship to white characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you have people like uh, you, you ever you ever watch Michael J. White in movies? I watched Spawn a couple of weeks ago because he's he's consistent. I think he's a really funny actor. I think he's super cool. I watched him in Spawn, and I didn't know what Spawn was about. Oh, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> um, he's in service to. I mean, he he was he's basically been given a second chance. Yeah, he has to, but he has to work for the devil. And I'm like, goddamn, <laughs> literally. Spawn, Spawn's <laughs> always been he that character the the character's always a black dude. That is that's how it is in the comics. That's the guy. What's that about? Yeah. I'm just saying, like, it is a very, it's a very specific thing to have the servitude with, see, now we get into the whole, this is why I think comics are an interesting thing, but when you see them adapted live action, it becomes more apparent, because mm-hmm. you either his, have to. Because then his wife married a white man, and they have a little girl, Cyan, first of all, I love that little girl's name is Cyan. <laughs> that is so cute. I was like, you're named after a color. That's so cute. Uh, <laughs> but you know that his wife then marries a white man after he dies, and it's a man he used to work with, a man who had a hand in him being killed. I just feel like, how do you sleep at night married to the woman of a man you had a hand in his murder? How do you sleep at night? Uh, I guess with his wife, but like, how do you, like, really, like, morally, how do you do that? I do enjoy the idea that he gets to really wreak havoc over that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he shouldn't have to wreak havoc over anything. He should probably be alive, but... Yeah. <laughs> now, his cape, I will say this, because I made a tweet about it. His cape was doing the absolute most in that movie. It, it's fantastic. It has its own mind. It's like, I've entered the room. Spawn has come in, now I have come in and watch all of me. Like envelop this shit. Like it's so <laughs> it's, it's it's giving uh RuPaul Jag Race. It's giving it, it, truly, truly <laughs> the cape was like we need more of the cape. The cape is just doing all the things. Love it. But the servitude part, like to make to immediately cast a black character who is who is strong and like but they're in. But they're in. Basically, like he's enslaved to the to the devil. That he, I mean, he has a lot of agency, agency, quote unquote. But it's like it's never it's never like a positive thing. No, and he doesn't get his looks back either. He's still walking around as a burn victim. Oh yeah. Too. So it's just kind of like, I guess also that's supposed to keep him in check because I think if he came back looking like himself, he would probably renege on the deal he made, which he ends up doing anyway. 
Um, Cause that uh, uh, Van Helsing looking dude comes and like tells him you don't have to do this or whatever. I don't know. I don't remember the guy's name. I just he it just was giving Van Helsing the hat and the little coat. So that's why I was like, it's Van Helsing. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. That's that's fair. <laughs> Which speaking of, I watched Francis Ford Coppola. Mm. A Dracula movie in its entirety for the first time. What'd you think? And I, I thought I, I liked it. It was maybe a little too gory at times, but I was also like laughing at the fact that young Dracula had like a body wave situation with his hair. I was like, what is this? What is this Peruvian body wave that they got under this hat? I was like, okay, okay, Dracula, he got bundles. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! No black characters in that, though, unfortunately. No. Uh, which actually, I'm glad because they don't need to be nowhere near that mess. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just like people be wanting representation, and everything. Sometimes we don't need to be around certain things. <laughs> like, don't represent me right now. No, no, just <laughs> just stay over there. It's okay. Represent <laughs> me at home. Thank you. Minding my business. Um, uh, but Spawn. So okay, so Spawn being enslaved having all this power but really can't using it use it for himself he's in service to someone else um blade is not he's not in service to anyone else is he or is he in the comics is he no no i the reason i think of blade though is uh it depending on the i think the comics are a little more liberal in their interpretation but when i whenever i think about blade people always get referred to the movies Mm mm-hmm and I think about the sort of like, it's just this like in the same way black exploitation mm-hmm. has that kind of like freeze job turkey, and it's like this revenge narrative to some degree. Mm-hmm. Blade is just this like low key black vigilante that's just fucking up uh, like vampire society, which mm-hmm. is in the movies a lot of white people. Yes, which is that which is so fast, which you know that also that is another one that was really racially coded as well. Like all of the upper level vampires, the aristocracy of vampiredom, which also just I mean I don't know if we could have a whole episode on vampires in general. In oh yes, we could. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm like, it's always seen as just like a European thing. It comes out of Europe. Um, But I'm very curious because I'm thinking, I think there's around like globally Mm -hmm. stories of of entities that feed on human blood. Like it's not just a European thing. Like Mm -hmm. most cultures all have some, something that to explain some mystery mysterious thing that's happening within their society mm. um but of course visually in in cinema our vampire aristocracy is always a bunch of white folks in some stuffy clothes powdered down um smelling like mothballs i would imagine uh, <laughs> base yeah that sound that would be them that would definitely be them because they're old old as d- they are the literal dust Dusty. Little dust walking around in them powdered wigs and shit. Um, very much. What is it? The Volturi from Twilight. Did you ever watch all the Twilight movies? Um, I've seen one. I only did that because I do actually like Robert Pattinson and um, uh, Kristen Stewart, and I needed to at least see one for the sake of you know 
get getting it, you know, being uh-huh. like, okay, where did we come from? Uh, where did we go? Where did we come? Where you uh, come from, Cotton Eye Joe? Um, <laughs> Which one did you watch? The literal first one, the first one. Oh, oh, okay. Because um, I just wanted to know, and also I just didn't realize there was a song at Twilight that I I had heard uh, used in memes, and I was like, oh, that's what this is from. Supermassive black hole is that the one? Maybe it was like this, like piano <laughs> song. Oh, yeah. I think it's called Edward's song, Edward's lullaby, or something. I don't know. I thought that was really funny. Yeah. Um, I there's just something about that space because w- when you have him in this position as this vampire hunter, that's like has to do this is this unwavering sort of him in comics is really funny like he's always clowning people for being for just being unprepared and being stupid and and being like really rash like i think maybe you and i had talked about it once i don't know if it was on the podcast or if it was uh in person but there's people are like this is why we can't have blade in an avengers movie yet <laughs> look at your outfits you call yourself a team. Look what you got on. I mean, he wasn't wrong. I think we did talk about that on the podcast. I think he wasn't wrong. <laughs> He's not wrong. I but you but you have he become and I think they'll probably change this with the new I'm hoping they add some more dimensions with the new blade with Marshall Ali. Um because you have you have some exceptions to that vampire stuffy pale um storytelling with like what we do in the shadows that the movie not the series the series is good mm. um what we do in the shadows the, mo- the series i've been watching that that's it's it's pretty funny the movie is so fun i love the idea that there is uh, the first vampire we see is that new zealand sort of taika uh like a different a different idea of what these tropes can be Mm-hmm. And it allows for, I think, granted, I would love if the cast is more diverse. But when you have, if I can see Blade in that setting where he doesn't outright have to kill a vampire because he's trying to figure out the community aspect, I mean, that's not what the character is. But I would love if yeah. it could be, if it could be, I don't know, like the, the I'm trying to think of who, who has space for things like that. There, Sony? You said what? Sony. So, who owns Deadpool? <laughs> oh, the Mar- Marvel owns Deadpool right now. Marvel owns Deadpool. Well, what's the production before? Fox. Fox. Oh. Mm-hmm. Fo- Fox is all the X Men related properties. Um, which even that—that's sort of the. There are a lot of characters within the X Men franchise that they've had in in movies where it's like, why did you? Why did you? use this character as this like amazing fantastic pillar of truth or use them as like fuel for a fire like he mm-hmm. just kind of threw them away like storm like storm storm they make her so they make her out to be amazingly strong in theory but then when it comes to supporting the cast in the story she has to be weak so that she can't just solve their problems right so it's like let everyone else save the day not not storm um because she's on omega 11 she's like her and wanda are on the same she's like level a god. 
Yeah, because I, I, anybody that can conjure lightning and rain and wind and tornadoes. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, she's bending the, at, like, what is that? Like, bending the atmosphere or changing the atmosphere or generate? I don't know how that works, but she can do it. And I also think of characters like, because um, I think it comes down to like this idea of strength, knowledge, and then ability to suffer. Oh God, the suffering like part. right because because you have yeah. characters that suffer on screen like they're even if they pass away, die, they are willing. They're almost like their sacrifice is the is like the the catalyst for someone else's development. Hmm. Um, <gasps> you just gasp real loud. What you got? I'm a, go ahead. <laughs> you, so <laughs> you saw Dune, right? Oh yes, I did. If you were awake for the ending, I, I was awake. Um, Jameis. <laughs> yes. Jameis. The fact that Timothy Chalamet, Chal Chal Chateau, Chalamet, Timothy Malay. Um, Himalayan, y'all. I'm not playing. I'm really, try- I'm really trying. I hear it in my head, but it's not coming out of my mouth the way to say that boy's name. But anyway, y'all know Paul Atreides, right? The fact that, and even in the book, right? So in the book, they fight, but he doesn't have to kill anyone to be like, like, come on, let's go to the siege. Yeah. Um, but in the film. The fact that the first person he kills is a black man and a warrior for the for the Fremen. I got a problem with that. Same. Because uh, Jameis, because also he's seeing Jameis in his visions in the film. And like Jameis is like, basically when him and his mom are trying to crass, crass, cross, <laughs> cross the desert, right, to yeah. find the Fremen. He's, he's inhaling all this spice, which spoiler alert in the book this is it's going to alter the hell out of his out of his mind and his sanity like baby baby think he like four or five different people and is comfortable in that shit um he (laughs) he's seeing visions of Jameis explaining to him life in the desert and like how to move forward and it's like you saw this man I mean mind you Jameis is kind of presented as someone who's just like looking for an opportunity to go against Stilgar because he don't think Stilgar should be the leader. Yeah. And so with Stilgar saying, "Okay, y'all can come with us," he's like, "Oh hell no, y'all not. No, no, no. We not doing this. We need to. We need their water more than we need them." And so, it. I have a problem with them making Jameis a black man. Like, why does he have to kill a black man first to be accepted into the Fremen? It's vi- and it's accepted. It and it works. I mean, and it's kind of, you know, because it's like the culture of the Fremen are like the strong lead, you know, it's you, your, I forgot how they phrased it in the book. Like your body belongs to you, but your water belongs to the community. Yeah. So if you die, like we get your water. Um, But in the book, like it's like, it's kind of like Jameis is left to stew in in his resentment towards Paul and then eventually challenges him to that, like. Hum die. I don't. What is hum, hum die is from another movie. 
the humdai, the mummy. Oh, Lord. I'm about to say, I don't know. I haven't heard that in a long time. The humdai. I was like, where did I pull that word from? It's from the mummy. <laughs> I forgot what the what the name what the term is in in Dune. Yeah, when that, that actual like the challenge. I, yeah, I forgot what it's called. Um, I don't know why I was like the humdai. <laughs> no, that's that's the preparation of a bad person who died who's going to be killed or, or buried alive in the mummy. Um, anyway, I'm digressing. But the <laughs> fact that, you know, you will have really strong Black characters who are, like, either warriors or, you know, and they are often used and passed off as pawns for the white protagonists to, you know, better themselves in some kind of way. Going back to Green Mile, Tom Hanks' experience of meeting... Um, Michael Clark Duncan's character on on death row and then subsequently seeing his um, execution, like somehow that's supposed to have made him a better person, right? By having, even though he didn't do anything for Michael Clark Duncan, he literally was just like, yeah, you deserve being here. Sorry about it. Sorry about <laughs> it. Can't do anything for you. Whoops. Oh, wow. Thanks for thanks for curing my UTI or whatever the hell he had. What did he have? He had some kind of like PP disease. Yeah, I don't know. It probably like not syphilis. It was something. It was like it was like a year. I think he had a urinary tract infection or like it was something where he had a hard time going PP. I'm saying PP. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> no, but yeah, I know what you're talking about, though. I know what you're talking about. Oh but it, it was it was this these constant these not just favors but there is this consistent it's like the strength is given mm-hmm. to them just to serve to relinquish it to you're a public servant you're a public servant in the story you're never strong for just yourself and if you are you're the villain mm-hmm. um and it's it's hard to I think reconcile that even when it's not physical strength, even if it's just like the uh, perseverance. Yeah, the perseverance. And if you if you're ever escalated to the point where you are so all powerful, you're. It's hard to rationalize that you're like still good, like uh, Morgan Freeman's God. Hmm. Yeah. I think a real world example to me um, is, you know, Katanji Jackson Brown, Brown Jackson. Yeah. Her, her being elected to the Supreme Court and having, I saw like some chart on Instagram and it was showing how qualified all of the current Supreme Justices are in comparison to her. And she's the most qualified person they've ever had. Most qualified candidate ever. I was yeah, even yeah. surprised like Sotomayor so the mayor only had like there was like little blocks like uh like a little bar graph. Mm. I thought Sotomayor would have more like would you know kind of maybe be on par with Katanji, but no, not even not none of them. They all like she has like five blocks. They got two. She was like, educated, educated, the whole yes. And so, you know, them putting her through. All of that, all of just all of just the foolishness, right? The circus. It was it was literal a literal circus, and like Ted Cruz standing up there talking about a racist baby and just just anything you could think of. I will say, as a side note, 
one of those senators who acted his acted his ass in in the in those hearings when he went home i think it was in iowa mm-hmm. there's a video of him meeting with his constituents and one of them of course iowa is a very very white place if it's not forgive me it's portrayed that way um <laughs> one of his constituents this old white man he was like he was like, I'm very disappointed in how you acted during that hearing because I feel like you're not for Because why were you asking her such foolish questions? Mm. Like this person is being elected to the Supreme Court and that's the court that's supposed to serve the people and you are supposed to serve the people. He was like, I'm not voting for you coming this fall because of how you acted. And to me, I was like, that that is very impactful, right? Like seeing that and like, Knowing that there are, I t- I'm giving it too much credit, but <laughs> knowing it does knowing, matter though, it, it matters to see the the ramifications of their foolishness, right? Mm-hmm. They put her through the ringer, and like black people, of course, she was talking. She, she Katanji herself even gave a, an example, like after one of the hearings, she was leaving, like walking across the yard, and this black woman was approaching her, and she was just kind of like tired from the day. And this woman said, persevere. And that's the only thing she said to her and like kept moving. You know, the fact that that's what we keep telling each other to persevere, to continue to suffer in order to achieve greatness. I think all of us are not built for this. And I really, I really, I mean, the world, world living is to suffer, to live is to suffer. Mm. Yes. But I don't, I just, I hate that we have a very specialized suffering because of our race. And it's, I mean, I'm saying all stuff we already know. It's not fair. <laughs> um, and I don't, I mean, it's not, and then really it's not much black people can do about it because these are all external forces being put on us and not us, um, you know, Although I will say this, to seek out these higher positions, you are going to be challenged in those ways. So if you you were wanting to be a hero or Supreme Court justice, like you're, they're going to ring you, run you through the ringer because you're technically in their eyes and their me, y'all know who there is, they are. Um, You are stepping out of line. Like you're not, you don't know your place. And so, I mean, to bring it back to these to these characters, some of them are still, you know, kind of in their place. But they're like, I don't know, it's like their growth is more horizontal than it is vertical. Yeah, yeah. they they remain underdogs. Right. Um, All of that to say, I don't know what (laughs) you have to say about that, but it made me think of, of. of Judge 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 Brown Jackson because they really most qualified person to ever be be interviewed for that job, and they really just wasted their whole day asking her how do you define a woman, like what is that what is My what do you God. like what does that have to do with the with um her experience as in the court of law. I watch Judge Judy. Y'all not asking lawful <laughs> questions, okay? <laughs> I watch Judge Judy with my mom and my grandma on Sunday, okay? Y'all not asking lawful questions. Y'all are asking foolishness because y'all want airtime, which is what that white man in Iowa said. He was like, y'all wanted airtime. Like, y'all wanted to be on TV. Y'all wanted the sound bite on the news at 10 o'clock. That's what y'all want. That's what y'all was doing. 
I I feel like there is, and I, I remember, I think I, I had, I had written something about this before in like a, a paper at some point. And I think we've, I think we've talked about it here and there, but the idea that like a black existence is one of suffering mm-hmm. is, is the idea of like, uh, like ontology, like the, the, the study of existence of just the nature of existing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was this, I'm trying to remember the author cause I do have the, the paper on my, on my, um, uh, on my computer, but it's it's black ontology and the idea of, of oh, where is it? Ontological terror, yes. Mm-hmm. Ontological terror by uh, Calvin L. Warren. Shout out to Calvin L. Warren. Um, but it's like blackness, nihilism, and emancipation. Hmm. Uh, and this idea that there is this sort of ent- entanglement, entanglement. Uh, this entanglement of, <laughs> of, uh, of not just slavery, but just pain and suffering generationally that's into the, in the black body mm-hmm. and perhaps in like the idea of studying it and adopting other ways of thinking about your blackness and, and, and life and purpose, you can separate or untangle or, or find some, some sort of general like mindset that can at least put you in a place of understanding your own sort of uh, even if it's in your dna to uh, to have experienced this suffering or to remember whether that's to um personalize it or you know go so far back as if your family uh, was a part of slavery and stuff like that but thinking about the idea that there is a story in you and it's there and it, it remains there inside your like your your soul, and you have to find a way to either. It's like the who? What's that mode of philosophy? What is what is that? What is that mode of philosophy? There's this, and I'm I'm forgetting the the term, but there's you know that story in Greek mythology where they talk about um, uh, Sisyphus who pull who pushes the boulder up the up the mountain like it, he pushes it and pushes it in in uh it kind of rolls hell, back on. and it rolls back it rolls back on him um and there is absurdism absurdism the idea mm-hmm. that you have to just imagine that sisyphus is happy he is happy to try regardless of whatever it is like that's that's the you know you make you make joy out of your existence regardless of what you know might come you know Everyone, everyone's certain to have a certain, you know, you begin and you end, but there's a certain amount of like nihilism or absurdity you can add to your life. And I feel like when I think about depictions of black people in fiction, Mm -hmm. they never have to do that because they're just written to persist. But I feel like, because resiliency is great. I think that's fantastic for those who have it. I'd be tired all the time. And when I think about characters that exist imperfectly and are allowed to kind of like recoup and make sense of what it is that they're having to do and why they want it and who's it for, it makes for really interesting narratives. But it also, I don't know, there's it's nice to have a black character that's strong but also still feels human. 
Because hmm. when it's just those ideals, like to have a character that's an ideal, like Luke Cage is is a fun, and we've done Luke Cage episodes before. We, we talked about him in the past. But when I think about like the comics versus um, the series, the idea of like an invulnerable man is cool but what do you do for a character that kind of at that point then has to just suffer through life with people just assuming you can't hurt him like you the things around you become vulnerable and i think there's a lot of people especially in real life that suffer from uh this inability to express themselves beyond the their usefulness Hmm. I don't know, you see with like athletes like they they are their persona they are the thing that they do and then their existence is wrapped up again in like another form of servitude like it's the to, to be entertained I don't know I'm like I don't know my mind is like um, I'm thinking I was like so what do we do that? <laughs> You know, I think um, I immediately want to think of characters that are not, that are more um, fleshed out. And I was going to mention Abbott Elementary, but like even with Abbott Elementary, it being such a wonderful show, Mm -hmm. um, the fact that, you know, the school is underfunded and, you know, the principal (laughs) blackmailed her way into her position. <laughs> a success story. Oh, I love her. She's so funny. <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to think like, are there any other examples of like black characters or even in real life where people are just out here doing and I think there are. It's just more so like they're not that's not what we're gonna ever see really in the mainstream yeah. market because the mainstream market has a very has designated a certain space for black people and they're like y'all can only do this Mm. um and so this is what y'all are allotted and some people are very happy i think going to when you were saying about asceticism some people are very happy to play those roles because they feel like it's better than nothing um yeah but then there's people who are like you know what is this shit this is this is not like what do i do i don't i mean I'm thinking about all of this. It's interesting because I'm also, I don't know what this is. It's not related, but it might be related. We'll see how you respond to it. But I'm also <laughs> thinking about Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman. I haven't seen yeah. that but oh, okay, okay. I haven't seen it yet, and I kept wondering about her performance in it because everybody's just been like the prior to the Oscars. Everyone was just like, oh, she's so sexy. Oh, she's so beautiful. Oh, she's... And it's like everything's been about how she looks on screen and not so much her acting. And so I, you know, I I have friends who really liked High Fidelity, which Mm -hmm. I think to see a Black character, although I don't know if she identifies as a Black character, as a Black person, I feel the way, the way she be acting, 
and defending stuff. I'm like, yeah. I don't know about you, girl. There's some new stuff that she had come out too. That <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Because after the Oscars, she, you know, was on her captions on her Instagram, and she had the nerve to leave it up there. It's still there. She's standing by what she said. Um, you know, she's posting pictures of her outfits from the night, and then in the captions, instead of just girl just tagging the designer, she had felt the need to comment on Will Smith's uh, incident with Chris Rock. I wasn't even and, talking about that. But you're talking about like the stuff with Jaden. Yeah, 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 yeah. That stuff came out because she made those those comments. Oh, someone clapped back by saying receipts. <laughs> yes, it's just like people people were waiting for oh her to do God. something messed up because even because it started even before the Batman premiered, where mm. you know she said and she said this that a director didn't cast her for something once. Oh, for the Dark Knight. Because she was, it's, oh. not, they're like, we're not going the urban route. Ain't nothing urban about Zoe Kravitz. <laughs> Ain't nothing urban about that girl at all. Her suburban. Parents are sub- suburban, hardcore. Her parents are hippies, okay? They're not. Uh, Lenny got that plantation in Brazil that he's living on and stuff, that he just runs around barefoot on all day. Uh, what Lisa and. Jason, well, they divorced. They, they did not get back together. They're not getting back together. Uh, have their little ranch situation too. You know, like this girl, I mean, she not, she, there's nothing urban about her. They really were just coding her as urban because of who her parents, because of her genetic makeup. Yeah. Um, and then she felt the need to come back and correct that statement now that she's in the Batman and say she never said those casting directors were racist. It's like, baby, did you not hear the racial undertones in that statement you don't think that's a racist statement i did not find their racism racist it was circumstantial that's i mean that's i mean that's what that's what she and you know she's you know whatever but i mean how i got to this it just made me think something you were saying made me think about I guess because I was talking about how there are people happy to play these subservient roles or just yeah just to be given like crumbs i think and then she's definitely i think one of them i mean she says that she tries to be selective about what she plays but it is difficult but it's you can't it's a double-edged sword that doesn't have to be difficult because you do you at least with media you have to be able to critique the media that you even if you enjoy it yeah i think it's it's necessary you can't just blindly um absorb because that's also the thing like with media like potential particularly with television and cinema it's mm-hmm. a one-way form of communication yeah, right yeah, yeah. because it is it's projecting at us and telling us a reality and we either accept that or we don't but the way it, that it's so loud and market and like it's hitting us at all sides mm-hmm. makes it seem like okay yeah this is the reality like this is this is real life and it's not it's really not um, I think that, you know, to focus so much on black suffering is the bane of my existence because I feel, cause we are so much more than our trauma. And there's, and I was having this conversation with Irene, shout out to Irene, um, be, particularly because I was doing all these different artist talks, I had like a marathon of artist talks earlier this spring. Um, and you know, just 
interacting with people from different states or not even necessarily different states, different regions in the United States and their views on the American South and how they immediately tie black people into the in the South with suffering and trauma. Like that's all they see when they look at black people in the South. And it's like, if that were the case, then why are we still down here? I mean, I know there are like class issues, economic issues or whatever that could keep people in, in a place. Yeah. But a lot of people chose to stay because there's so much more to life than just suffering. Um, there was a girl who, oh, it was a tweet. There was a girl who's talking about how, you know, when there's like black girls who like to do the pinup like style, like from the 50s. Yeah. And then there'll be people, white people coming out, oh, you would have been lynched. Or whatever, like saying all this really racial, like these really like racial terrorizing Golly. things, and it's like the girl was like, "Let them, let the women have their pin curls and their skirts yeah. and stuff." Like y'all act as if black women, all they did was just hide in fear of going outside. Like they literally went to church or went to birthday parties and did other things than just suffer under Jim Jim Crow. People mm. did the best they could. Um, and so to focus so much on it, I think it's just kind of, I don't know. I'm just like. Life is more. Life is so much more than that. But life does, like suffering is a part of life. And I think to magnify one aspect of life more than the others mm-hmm. is is detrimental. Because then, then you start to flatten out other aspects of living mm. that, you know, are not, that are just equal, that are equally important. Joy um what else what else joy there's joy i'm just thinking like an hope Uh, dreams you know anger accomplishments anger all of these things are equally important to the facet of a person um to only see their trauma i think it's just it's it's detrimental and it doesn't help that media just further perpetuates that Mm -hmm. like even going back to blade his whole motivation is the fact that his mother died right when he was born because she and she was bitten by a vampire and so now he's half vampire and so there's this kind of which birth in itself is a traumatic event for everybody like that's like that's kind of like that's a sociological thing um what (laughs) i would venture and i think about until you said right now i would venture this to say that Blade makes me think of when a uh, slave has a baby with a slave master. Oh, Marcellus, why would you do that? I'm just thinking, because well, if we're talking about right characters that have tr- like their trauma with in relation to like whether like the European world or whiteness or whatever it is, the trauma, make- the trauma as black characters though. Not you making Blade the tragic mulatto. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, I swear to God. (laughs) I'm just saying, black trauma is one thing, I think, especially because there are definitely narratives that hype on it, but there's so much more. And I don't think it's to be misconstrued with characters that there's adversity and there's suffering. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, because every, every good story has a certain amount of adversity to it. Yeah, because that's like a, a part certain... of life. Adversity is a part of life. Ain't nothing in this world gonna be free and easy. 
but and I because when I think about certain certain films or series like uh, I think it's one of the reasons why I loved Lovecraft Country because um, there appear some episodes I'm like damn this is some black suffering I don't know if I want all this in my yeah my mind and then other episodes are genuinely like this is just challenging and so strange and I'm in and I'm ready but it's all over the place. But it, it had me on, I think, for the for the hope that it would be more the latter than than uh, than anything. But uh, I'm trying to think of what uh, other things we we've seen recently that, that feel that way. Um, it's so difficult. We don't really get a lot of time in the sun. And it's it's hard because some of the stories are still compelling. Like they're worth they're they're worth watching. But I I think about did you ever watch Bad Lucky Goat? No, I didn't. Um, so it's it's set on an island off the coast of Panama, um, but it's a part of Colombia. It's mm-hmm. the island's called Providence, Providencia. My Spanish is not good, y'all. I promise. I've living in Texas really my whole life. In Texas, all my whole life, and Spanish is, um, but the people on that island are black people, Mm. um, black, maybe mixed blacks with indigenous, whatever, what have you, right? Mm. Um, I think that movie, that movie to me was just like it to me, that movie was a feel good movie. All the characters are black, um, they're in a black space, and I think that's really when you see for me. When I think about, you know, movies where it's just like, oh, whoa, woe is me, you know, <laughs> movies where it's not that has been when black people are just in black spaces or in black countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like there's adversity because of other reasons like class or um, which class. I mean, that's a whole other thing, too. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, you know, like. I, I think about that movie by Samir Oliveros, 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 what have you. Um, I think about that movie and it's just about these two kids who like get into trouble and have to figure out how to get out of trouble before sunset. So they spend the whole day running around the island, talking to different people, bartering, trying to figure out like how they're going to get, like, you know, <laughs> their parents run a hotel and it's like about to be the height of tourist season. There's oh, yeah. like a magical element to it as well. Um, they ended up, they hit somebody's goat or something. Like the goat <laughs> is dead. Like the goat is not alive. Yeah. It's dead. And they're like carrying this dead goat around the entire island, like trying to figure out what to do. And then they find out that the goat belongs to the island's like gangster or something like that. It's like his pet goat. Um and so it's just, it was just like, it was just kind of a foray into the life on this island. Um, and nobody, I mean, mind you, like the communities in which they're living in are not necessarily the, I mean, it, it, they're not the most uh, contemporary buildings. Like they're, they're older, maybe a little run down, but like, mm-hmm. I don't like, doesn't look like people look like they have the things that they need. No one looks like they're suffering um you know so i'm thinking about like when i watch i watch i think particularly for for to see things in which black people are not suffering because of the color of their skin you have to leave the u.s 
you have to look at media outside the U.S. that is being made in Black countries. Mm-hmm. Um, mind you, Samir, who made this film, is not Black himself, but was really interested in this island. Um, I went to see it at Latin Wave at the Museum of Fine Arts Houston, and he was there to take questions. And of course, their audience at the Museum of Fine Arts is, is primarily a white audience, um, even during Latin Wave, because Houston is full of uh, white Latinos who are like from South America and are very big, very big in the art scene and donating money to to the museum. Um, and I will never forget there's this one lady um, who was asking Samir, you know, like the language barrier, like how did you understand what these people were saying? Mind you, the people in Provincia and San Andres they speak English. It's an English speaking island. Now they speak a creolization of english right like a more of a patois yeah and samir was like well they're speaking english like that was her, her his answer to this woman because she was just, <laughs> she, was just acting, she was just acting like their language is just so foreign wow. for her and i was just like it's just a different type of english like i knew what they were saying i mean mind you i did need some subtitles but yeah. <laughs> i still know what they were saying um, and he was like, you know, you spend a week there and you listen to people talk, you you pick up on it really quickly, you spend a couple of months, you can speak it back to them. Like, it's not like a, it's not, he's like, it's English, it's not that, it's not that, you know, much of a stretch. Um, and so I feel like you do have to leave the continental U.S. and like the, the U.S.'s machine of making media about blackness that is always going to be coupled with suffering always going to tie back to slavery um there's never we never really get to see black people projected into the future and living some kind of other existence apart from suffering i think the only opportunities we've had in the past couple of decades in the u because you really have to leave the u.s for, for anything anything notable or like substantial it's been animated. Like we can't, we can't exist in the flesh. Hmm. We cannot exist in the flesh, or else it's too real. And it's not for everybody. And it, even then, like I think about certain TV shows that black code their characters so mm-hmm. that it's like, wink, wink, they're blue, and it's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or I think the only the only honest representation of of uh, of some like black joy and happiness and that you find in like sitcoms. It's it's a lot of sit- sitcoms, but, but, but like sitcoms are. It's it's a sticky situation there. I'm I'm thinking of more like, uh, and you might love this. This is something I would totally, if if I was like a school teacher, like a, a elementary school teacher, I would put it on, um, for like recess time. Um, Craig of the Creek. Oh, that little uh, cute show. I've never watched it. It just I see the little like um. You know, the like promos. Yeah, little yeah. promos and things for it. it looks cute. It's like it's little cute kids. Very sweet. And they be doing black hairstyles so well consistently. Now there is a Disney show that's like when Ted Cruz was talking about racist babies, uh made me think of his little stupid poster but it's more like it's directly t- tackling like microaggressions i think maybe you sent it to us in a group chat I think that so, Disney yeah. show where the little girl was like hey did that statement make you feel uncomfortable yeah yeah, yeah. and then they sing a whole song about microaggressions and then there's another i don't know the name of the little show but it's like a bunch of little black girls i had never I, heard of it before it was I, it's on i think it's 
on Disney because Disney is trying to do this thing where they're like, we're not racist. Like we're gonna be the forefront of like bringing ID. What is it? DEI to the masses. Oh yeah. I, and it's like it's, love... it, it's real lukewarm. It's real lukewarm. The show though is cute because it did teach that little girl, the little baby, to put, leave her bonnet on at night yeah. when she goes to sleep. When she yeah. goes to sleep because her mom is like, "You need to leave this on your head." <laughs> So, I just wish there was something like animation is for all ages. Mm-hmm. But I wish because but there are a lot of animated shows and content and movies that are geared towards children when mm-hmm. there could be more. I wish that black people being included was not like an early developmental favor. <laughs> like it wasn't something like you see black characters being shown for the promotion mm-hmm. of things or for the teaching of things like this is what my hair looks like like i would lo- i would love for it to just be a, a more organic inclusion than, than that doc mcstuffins isn't doc mcstuffins because we were talking about doc mcstuffins not too long ago oh yeah um, yeah like because she's just like a little doctor who doctors yeah, just- on her um her toys, I think. But I don't think she talks about I don't know if she talks about being black. I mean I mean I aged out of that. I don't have and I don't have any children, so I can't Yeah. Say, but that's what we're we're like in that daytime era of it's either gotta be a sitcom or mm-hmm. it's gotta be like child like developing programs. Like there there's not really it's like they gave up on the rest of us. They're like, we just go focus on the children. Yeah. You're you're older than 18 and you're black. Just, I don't know. You listen to like music, right? You got that. Go ahead. You got the audio. <laughs> I think, you know, because you're talking about sitcoms and I don't think either one of us really watches reality TV. Reality TV is also the other, because this is why, you know, like stuff on the Shade Room and like Baller Alert and all those other outlets, like, they be talking about these people, and I'm like, I don't know who these people are. Yeah. Because these are people from, like, VH1 reality shows about, like, love and hip-hop or basketball wives or, like, all of, like, that is the other representation of Blackness that gets more into, like, respectability politics or gives people black people things yeah. to emulate right like oh See, all this of is what the- i was talking about with that right <laughs> right like you know like oh all of the the real housewives of atlanta they all went on a cruise to greece or something so now all everybody when they mama want to go to greece mm-hmm. not knowing that you you're black and traveling around europe as a middle class person is not your experience is not gonna be the same mm-hmm. as going on a television show to greece it's it's i mean it's still europe because my cousin wants to travel and she was naming places in europe and i'm like girl i'm not interested in europe like that because uh-huh. i'm like they no thank you i will what? stick to Cause... africa the caribbean and latin america um like we just go keep it there that's yeah. <laughs> like... you, can't, you can't be going into all these spaces with that uh that oj mentality yes <laughs> Yes, I'm the juice. It's me. I'm not. I'm not black. I'm. I'm oh, OJ. OJ. Yeah, it don't work. No, 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 not at all. I guess. I mean, I. I feel like 
I feel like we're we're coming we're coming around specific points. Uh, if I had any any one like last thing to sort of say about my hopes for um, some of the meat, now that we're kind of hitting a stride on on more media representation um, that's been engaging, mm-hmm. uh, I would love to see more of that open up to allow for I, I think Abbott Elementary is one of those things that's like ooh ooh that's really good I enjoy this and we're getting closer to something that takes us out of out of the like and the school's not funded and I, I heard every day and I'm mistreated like we're, we're getting further away but we're not completely out of the the sort of um, trauma Olympics of like <laughs> yeah because, um, I mean, people say the, the reboot of Fresh Prince called Bel Air, uh, which is they say, everyone's saying it's a completely different show. I haven't watched oh, it. Yeah. I don't really have an interest in watching it. I'm glad it exists and that people are enjoying it and that it's a different mm-hmm. approach to a reboot to a show. Um, but they're, you know, they've, they've kind of, I guess, fixed some of the, <laughs> the casting issues, which were the casting issues of having, like, different skin-toned black people in one family whereas like now uncle phil's family they're all the same color like everyone's everyone's the same shade of brown um which i'm like okay um because i know because i know that bother also because when they switched the anvibs that was weird it was really crazy it was weird because you know like uncle phil is a light-skinned man the original anvib is dark-skinned and so it it did kind of make sense to have their kids be yeah, like there's kind a sort of, of range of, of... A range of colors. Um, and so, but then when it was like, these two light-skinned people had these brown children. I mean, even though that can really happen, it's yeah. just not as likely, I guess. Yeah. I'm not a, in I'm a, not in a casting situation, that is a choice. Yeah, that is that is a choice, right? Because they were leaning, I mean, what, colorism. I don't, we talk, have we talked about colorism on this show? I mean, we've talked about it lightly. We haven't in had conversation. Like a, yeah, not, we haven't had not, an episode. I don't think we had an episode two for it. To be seen. Coming soon? I don't know. Because I feel like conversations around colorism oftentimes don't go anywhere. Like it's they just, don't. It just seems like it keeps going in a circle. And like nobody wants to actually take the step next step. Like also, what are the next steps, right? To move past that we as a community are not colorist. Like, because yeah. colorism is something that Black people enact on each other and is oh, also yeah. upheld by white supremacy itself. And so, you know, I don't know. It's 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 it deserves a conversation. But I think the way some people try to have the conversations, it's are not la- productive. It's not productive. A lot of times it's lazy um, in the sense of like they just want to air people's trauma about yeah. their skin color and then also them feeling like it should be like this equal thing. Right. But, you make me which, think of Tandy. Good lord! <laughs> I know we already talked about her once before, but <laughs> Tan- at Tandy, I really, I really feel like when these people be saying stuff out like they neck like that, and like I don't know when people be saying stuff like you really got to look at their background, like how yeah. did they grow up? Because she was she. <laughs> I mean. I'm also thinking about on Twitter now, 
there's this girl they drag it's this white girl they dragging because she's she posted a video on tiktok saying when you're the only black person at the country club or the late club and she was talking about herself the girl got 20 percent african dna she did one of them ancestry tests and so now she's like i'm a black person and maybe in her family she feels like she looks different because she doesn't know her dad she has a different dad yeah and her hair is is brown and you know not a white person have brown hair they'd be real conflicted about that shit um her hair is brown and wavy her nose is like a different like a has a very particular shape yeah um and so i you know like maybe she maybe she looks very different from her siblings and feels because like, i've seen that tiktok she didn't look like it? maya rudolph <laughs> thank you <laughs> Thank you. She just she looks. Not what that is. She just she doesn't look Anglo-Saxon. That's all it yeah. is. I mean, girl, she just don't look Anglo. She looks Southern. Maybe Southern. southern Europe. Maybe like Anglo trumpet. Like there's something else. Anglo trumpet. What's an Anglo trumpet? Oh, it's... shut up. Saxophone. <laughs> I was really like, what are you talking about? Oh my god. But you know they're dragging this little girl now because. She's talking about how, you know, well, I'm 20% or 30% African, so now I'm a Black person. And it's like, well, baby, if that's the case, most African Americans could say they were white because the majority of us got at least 20% European DNA. Oh, yeah. Something So by that logic, a lot of us are white. By that logic, I am owed some land uh, because I lost out. I they were freed and now I am no longer able to run my business. Mm. 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 I want my money. Run me my check. I don't know what to do with him, y'all. It's been we've been on hiatus for a while. (laughs) For a while. I don't know what to do with Marcellus. But I mean I don't even remember, remember how we got on that little girl, pretend like she black. But, you know, there are also people on the internet pretending to be black. Oh, because we were talking about colorism. Um, yeah. But there are also people pretending to be, saying just wild shit just for the views, right? Like, mm. I think that in itself is more fascinating than, like, this little girl believing she black. Yeah. Like, because I don't think she actually believes that. I don't. I don't. No. Because no. there's no if way. If she did, she wouldn't be telling the internet like that until she had a better setup. Because uh, remember old lady who was in charge of the NAACP chapter? Ooh, Rachel Zolzol. She had, she vetted herself so hard. And the thing is, she was outed. She, she was outed. outed. She didn't come forward and be like, I'm white. And she still won't say she's white. Uh-uh. She no, she, she had she don't whatever, dare she too into it now. She had some kind of traumatic experience, and we get into a we about to bridge into another episode because we're gonna wrap this up soon. Yeah, we gotta. Um, wait. <laughs> she uh had some kind of traumatic experience. There are a lot of people like this in the world who are white and don't know what to do with that because especially because of how DEI and like all of this stuff is going in which whiteness is i'm like white people are getting the message that whiteness is evil Mm. and then you have some people who are white who are just like i'm not an evil person i don't want to be associated with this 
or like they're in de- like they're literal denial yeah. about them being white um and they need to work that out they really do um i i'm happy to be black um by the grace of god um that's not my fight it'll be um but it'll be 25 I, years in june for me by the grace of god um it'll be 34 in september for me um i'm very i'm very proud of my heritage um you know and so i just want people to under better understand themselves in in relationship to that but i guess to close the episode on we're talking about um black characters and their subjugation in in spite of the power that they hold. Mm. Um, I really do think it, it is meant to, those original characters are meant to uplift people, but in a way that's like still, there's a glass ceiling. Yeah. Um, to uplift an audience, but also to keep you in check. Um, so that's my two cents on that. I have one, I know I said my last thought. I have one last thought that makes me think of this exact thing. Okay, there is it. there is a character who I'm so mad I cannot remember his name. Um, uh, what is his name? What do he do? Um, so he is a I want to say he's a DC character. He's in the same realm as um, uh, as a Static Shock. Same sort of like series Black of. Lightning? No, 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 but this from the same universe, the Dakota-verse, the sort of, like, Michigan-centered uh, superheroes. Um, I'm pretty sure that's... Is that a that's... shot from Michigan? Yeah. It's, like, supposed to be, like, a Detroit-esque uh, location. It's Dakota, it's Dakota, Michigan. Dakota City. Do I remember that from the TV show? I probably don't. They don't I emphasize, think... but it is It is in the comics. It's, it's, it's like, a it's... city, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's supposed to be, like, this kind of mixture, like... Midwest esque sort of place, but it's it's you know it's it's a it's a good city in terms of size and stuff. Okay. Um, uh, what's his name? I'm trying to remember his. No, I'm think I'm I'm thinking of the uh, Green Goblin. His... He has a T on his face. Let me think if I can. Thunder face. Thunder face. <laughs> um, his name is ooh, 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 uh, Mr. Terrific. Um, That's I'm pretty so... sure. <laughs> it, it, granted, keep yeah, keep in mind it's not the best name. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is him though. If I'm getting this wrong, somebody somebody can come complain. But I think it's either him or it's another another black character. But he was asked. He was so, so good at... No, this can't be him. It's another character. It has to be another character. Okay. A black character who was a very, very good superhero. Um, and then one day, his, like, mask got ripped or something or, like, torn off as he was saving... Like, people didn't know who he was. I think it maybe something was exposed. And he was asked to no longer perform... Retire. By, by the president of the United States pr- prior to some of this stuff happening because they didn't want there to be race riots and war knowing that there was a black person that powerful in the U.S. You mean hooded justice? 
No, no, no. It, the Watchmen. It, it, I mean, no. Like, this was like someone who could fly and like do a bunch of like. It was that that narrative though is very similar. I would say that's but, a new thing. In right, because that was because that's with the Watchmen TV series and not Watchmen the the. Because I think there was like an additional comic series, and I don't know if they took that route. That might have been what they did, but I, I don't, I don't think so. But you know that does is interesting because it also tells me that the superhero nobody knew he was a black man. Yeah, Cause yeah. He's, wear, he's wearing gloves, a mask, the suit covers his entire body, so there is no exposed skin. And then people finding out, oh no, there's a black man saving us. He could lead all the black people against the United States of America. Like that's that sounds. I mean, <laughs> I guess. Okay. <laughs> oh wait, who is who is this? Wait a minute. Ah ah. Oh, uh, Blue Marvel. It's a Marvel character, Blue Marvel. Blue Marvel. Yeah, he was so- given the Medal of Freedom by John F. Kennedy, and the same day he was asked to retire. Because people found out he was black. He's the first black superhero in the Marvel Universe, if you're going chronologically. You know, it's also giving very much um, New Captain America, where they're like, mm, you should just give us the shield. It's ex- Yeah, absolutely. It's the same exact, but they couldn't, I mean, they got, they're trying to find their way into those narratives now. But, I don't know. Yeah. I... I hope I, the best for all of us. I hope to see fun things for um, Monica Rambeau and um, Secret Invasion is Photon. May she not suffer. Um, although they kind of already, we not you know what we're at the no, one, we. we're at the one hour and thirty six <laughs> minute and twenty eight second mark. We're not gonna because we'll just keep talking, y'all. See, this is what happened when we go on hiatus because we would be like just. Just like just running off at the mouth because we haven't talked to each other in a very long time. Oh my god! But with that in mind, we know you love it. We know you. We know you like it. We know you love it. And so, with that in mind, please make sure that you follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, on um, TikTok. If you are so inclined, you can follow us on Patreon. Um, it is for a fee. For $5 a month, you could be shouted out on the podcast. And with that in mind, we also want to give special thanks to Jerome C., Caitlin D., and Robert LJ for supporting the podcast. And we thank you for being patient with us while we were on hiatus. Um, that thank you goes to everyone, though. But we really, really hope that you will follow us. If at the very least, what you can do for us, if you want us to to help us grow the podcast, rate, comment, and subscribe on wherever you're listening, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening, leave comments, leave a rating um, on the episodes. That really helps us, you know, keep this going because then it's like, oh, you all have a viable audience and it's not just, you know, me and Marcellus listening to the episode back. And, yeah. And I mean, I do that, cats. but... I listen to it back, too. I listen to it on my commutes, but, you know, still, still... They, they, gotta, they gotta know y'all out there. Exactly. They need to know. In order for this to grow any further, we need you all to 
support us and whether that's through patreon or just simply leaving a comment and rating the podcast like that really it really helps us I also want to give a shout out to uh, our lovely friends who provide the music at the end of our conversations and our rants and our, our <laughs> and our and our wonderful experiences that we uh, we weave together. Um, Playdate, uh, their song. Why don't we talk about it? Uh, they, as always, are fans of all all things wonderful and scientific, and and I think. Uh, reflective and thoughtful, just like their discography, which you can find on streaming services such as Apple Music and Spotify. Uh, I have been Marcellus. And I am Jamie. Stay nerdy. And stay alive. Sensation. Sensation.